Welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. Looking into the business of putting on races from the outside as a passionate runner and racer, you might be mistaken in thinking that putting on races is a fairly straightforward, relaxing, comfortably profitable thing to do. And I can hear some of you chuckling there. Well, my guests today, brothers Jeremy and William Fermo, are exactly the type of passionate runner that would try to make a business out of directing races. Which is why, in late 2021, they put aside their medical degrees and took the plunge into planning their first race, Shannon's Run, in Orange, Texas. Coming into race directing with few preconceptions, they tried everything to make their inaugural race a success, including an early round of crowdfunding for their business, Three Bros Running, and a go at securing local business grants to support their revenue. The result? Not half bad. 366 signups from more than 40 cities across the state. And with that, a growing appetite for directing more and larger races. I bring you this great discussion today with William and Jeremy for two reasons. If you're just starting out as a race director, there's valuable lessons here for you on the challenges and the joys you've got ahead of you, and the importance of focusing your planning on the things that truly matter. And if you're well into your long-term career as a race director, there's a couple of interesting gold nuggets here for you as well, and perhaps a little nostalgia about why you went into this really special business in the first place. Now, before we get into this awesome chat, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the amazing sponsors supporting this podcast. So many thanks to Run Sign Up, Race Director's favorite all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events, now powering more than 26,000 in-person, virtual and hybrid events, and many thanks to RaceCheck, whose free RaceCheck review box widget can help you collect and showcase your participant feedback on your own website, helping you more easily convert website visitors into paying participants. We'll be hearing a bit more from these two great companies a little later in the podcast. But now, let's dive into Two Brothers' journey into race directing with Three Bros Running's William and Jeremy Fermo. William, Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks a lot for coming on and thanks a lot for finding the time early in the morning as it is in the US. I see you're on separate screens. Are you both joining from lovely Orange, Texas? Lumberton, actually. So that's where our race is in Orange, but Lumberton, Texas is where we live. Okay. So you're both there. You're both calling in from Texas? Yeah. I'm both calling from Texas. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So you're brothers. You're two of the three brothers of Three Bros Running. We're going to go into... Um, what each of you brings to the race in a sec. Take a minute to introduce yourselves, please, to the audience. Some of them might be familiar from YouTube, some of the clips you've had, but take it in turns to say a little bit about yourselves. All right, so I'm Jeremy Fermo. Uh, a lot of people know me from the, my YouTube channel, Goku Runner. It's a channel that has about 5,000 subscribers and been doing that for the last uh, 10 years. It's a fun little thing uh, that I've been creating videos and it gets my creativity uh, out of the way, and I'm able to, you know, make stories, and I love to tell stories, and that's why we did that with the Three Bros Running Company, and I'm also, you know, one of the brothers in Three Bros Running Company, so just uh, enjoying doing what we're doing right now. My name is William Fremo, and I am one of the Three Bros and uh, actual bro of Jeremy. I'm a big time runner, have done over 47 marathons, and I, I just love running, so it made sense for me to start this company. Awesome. There's a third brother, right? who's not with us today. Yes. What's his name? Mike Moss. 
there's a story behind that. Uh, we actually, uh, now we're two bros now because he left the company. So now, now there's two bros and we now say that anybody can be the third bro. So that's what it is now. Because after the first race, there was a time commitment and we'll probably talk about that more later, but now it's just two of us. I love this. And this actually w- will get through some of that, hopefully through the episode. I love the fact how you spin one bro living as a marketing thing, right? It's like anyone can be the third brother. So it's, I love it. You take a, like a situation that you have to work with and you, you make something out of it. Exactly. That's what we had to do. We were like, we can't change our name. We had to keep it. And uh, we, I actually told my mom that, uh, and she loved this. She, she was like, who's the third bro now? And I said, uh, you know how we have, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And she, she's like, Jeremy, I, I love that so much. <laughs> Anybody could be the third bro, even the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, we have to keep that three branding. I love the three. Three, I think there's like very importance to the number three. You know, like he said, Holy Trinity, three musketeers. You know, it's just a good number for us. And I wanted to keep that, even though we're just two bros right now. <laughs> Yeah, plus you'd have to go back to the original YouTube videos and edit him out. <laughs> I saw he had like great success with some TikTok stuff. That'd be a shame. Today's episode is one of those episodes where I hope all of us can learn something from the full experience of you guys having put on a race. And you guys specifically, I think, are a great pick for this kind of episode because you managed to put on a race in 2022, your first race. You came into it knowing very little. You came into it after the pandemic. Plus, I think, which is super important, and I'm hoping we will be able to touch on quite a lot of that during this time. You came into it with a very fresh mindset, particularly on the marketing front, doing lots of really out there stuff. Obviously, Jeremy, you mentioned that you you had experience with YouTube and you've done things that I think more race directors, even very senior race directors who've been doing this for a long time, can really, really learn from. But starting with a company of three bros running, and since we're still still on personal stuff between you two, I was super surprised to hear that you're both medical doctors, trained medical doctors. Is that the case? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We both went to uh, Our Lady of Fatima in uh, the Philippines and graduated over there. Okay, so you guys spent however many hours and years of your life in medical labs and all of that, you had a brilliant career ahead of you as doctors. And then each of you, for your own reasons, you decided to go into planning a race, a running race after the pandemic. So what were you thinking? Well, to kind of have have where the race kind of started, I always wanted to do a race when we start, because we started uh, our own uh, running group called Golden Triangle Strategies, which is a free training group that we, we run every week. But there's always kind of like envision for us to like have our own race. People would ask us, hey, you should have a, a race. You should have like a half marathon. They actually want us to have a half marathon. But there was no, there was no, nothing that kind of pushed us to, to that. I was working for a startup like before we started this company. And then me and Mike, who is the other third bro, uh, were kind of like doing work at, at, at a coffee shop. And a moment came to him where he was like, saw this post about our friend Shannon and then he was start started crying and I was like why are you crying he's like oh I, I heard our, our friend Shannon he has like a he's he might not have like a year to live and he wants to hold a race for him and I was like oh wow and he didn't really understand like everything that kind of goes on with the race but he wanted to do a race and I was like I'm in with you because I I see I saw that post and it kind of like touched me too and I was like let's make this official 
let's start this let's make this like a thing let's do it the right way you know because i don't i don't want to do it where just kind of people just kind of throw something together last minute and then just like have a race i don't want that i want something that looks like quality and when we kind of like decided to come with this i was like i need to have my brother because if my brother jeremy is not in it then we can't make this work because i think he has a good youtube following he knows how to market himself well and i was like that's very important for a race and uh, decide, hey, let's just go for it. But to get back to the, you know, the, the medical doctor, I think it's all about passion. Like Willie and I, we studied for, you know, how many years, eight, eight plus years to become medical doctors. And at the end of the day, our passion wasn't in that. And our passion was in running. Like we started our running group, Golden Charles Charters, 10 years ago. And that's where we found our passion. I, I had my YouTube channel. I had to, you know, that's where I found myself putting a lot of my time and effort into it because I love running. It was all about passion. So that's why we started the Three Brothers Running Company because of passion. And I think that's the best way to do anything, like to to, to follow your passion, even though sometimes you're going one way, you could go the other way just because it's just where it's, le- it's leading you to. So that's why we started Three Brothers Running Company. I like the answer better than mine. Well, I mean, you know, it, there's there's so many people in this industry, most people in this industry that they have come into it as a passion type thing, as a passion project, or, you know, they've come into it because they love doing what they do. And that's, I guess, how we all, we all end up here. Just out of curiosity, was, was Mike a medical doctor as well? Would you have like, would you have had like three doctors in the family? No, he was not. He was, uh, he, he worked in the, the what, what, what did he work in? I think he did shift work. Shift work. Yeah. Sure. Cool. We should say at this stage that Shannon, the person you mentioned, ended up inspiring the name of your first race, which we're going to be talking a lot about. It's the first race you put on, and we're going to be sort of dissecting that journey. So you put on a 5K, 10K called Shannon's Run. How well did that turn out, by the way? It turned out really well. It kind of exceeded our expectations. I mean, we had like, I had high expectations. I wanted to like go big or not go at all. So when I did this, like I'm always something about like making sure to look at your competition, look at previous races. I think that's important because it kind of gives you some kind of like benchmark to kind of like strive for. There was a race that was, I think, a couple of weeks before our race. And some people that we were trying to reach out as sponsors, they would sponsor them before they would sponsor us. Well, you know, they're more established. And so I was like, I want to get better numbers than them. That was like kind of my goal. I want to get better numbers than them. I want to have our everything look a lot better than them. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think having competition makes you become better. And I think that's what all race companies should be. Hey, look at that race company. I like what they're doing. Let me incorporate that into my race. And uh, that's some things that I was doing. Anytime I would go to a race, I'd be like, oh, I like that. So I want to be the best possible and give like our runners the best kind of experience. Yeah. I mean, ambition is uh, is a good thing, definitely, as you say. I think people might be getting by now the whole, like you mentioned, planning and stuff. When your brother raised the idea of doing the Shannon's run, you were all about, okay, yeah, but, you know, let's let's go into this, do something great. And, you know, like, let's go into it cautiously. You're also the MBA in this and the CEO, right? Lots of acronyms. So you have, so you have an MBA degree and you are the CEO. That's William. You're the CEO of the operation. And then how did the both of you... I think Jeremy's probably like more on the marketing side. How did the both of you split up the responsibilities of what you guys do in Three Bros Running with the races? Well, Willie was already in the tech side, so he had a tech background and he's more computer literate than me. So we let him, I let him handle a lot of the, like the run sign up. He, he handled making up the website, which we made it 
and a pro way. Like if you compare it to other races, you'll be like, wow, they actually put some time and effort in it. And uh, Willie did a great job with that. So he handled that, the back end of the more, more techie side. And then for me, of course, I'm marketing. So I'm trying to do all the marketing and create as many videos as possible because you know, for a lot of races, you could throw the best race. And there was there's a lot of good races that were here before, but I felt like the marketing wasn't the best because if you don't know about it, then nobody will show up. So that's what we, we really focused on marketing and making it making as much content and, and making a story for people to follow so they would want to run and run our races. Were you a marketing professional before this, going into this? No, but I always had an interest in like just just I don't know, I guess social media and uh, just marketing myself and creating my own brand. That, and I did that with Goku Runner for the longest time. You can't build a following without really marketing yourself. And I just did it that way. So I, I, I kind of learned by doing. That's how I did it. Yeah, you mentioned kind of like the NBA thing. And then I, I did work for like a startup. So I was like very familiar with the startup space. I was familiar with how they would handle meetings, how they would do it. They have a management style. So there will be things like I would do like for all three of us. I have like a spreadsheet where I have like, hey, this is a list of tasks. This is a list of priorities, like low, medium, high. And if there's something high that needs to be done, like ASAP, you know, something low, like later, but kind of like managing all our different skill sets to be able to kind of work effectively. I think that's important. I think also when you said, since mentioned, mentioned my MBA, I, I treated things like a startup. I treated things, I did a lot of research. We did a lot of like market validation. We didn't really announce our company until after TRE because I was like, Jeremy told me about the industry event and I was like, we need to go. We needed to see how they are, how they do things, because like I'm familiar with the tech world, but I'm not familiar with like the business side of the running industry. So we went there, we would kind of present our business idea to people and they validated it. They actually said, hey, yeah, we think that's a good idea. And we did a lot of research, not only about like previous races, but like to like the city demographics, the, the amount of people here, hey, the medium income level at the different cities. That's something I think that's everyone should be concerned about because I love this as a passion project, but I want this to be make money. Yeah. And, and I think that is a fantastically constructive attitude to bring into racing. Even if it is your passion, if it is going to become your business, you need to treat it with a professionalism that a business deserves. And you need to be like really thorough with it. And on that point, I find what your mission statement or your kind of like motto you have on the site to be about what you're trying to do to be really, really concise and on the point, the whole about bringing big city race experiences to cities across Texas. I think that sort of like sums the whole thing up perfectly and it gives you a direction to work on. And I think we had a whole episode on mission statements with Peter Abraham and branding it must be like almost a year back now. And he first alerted me to the importance of having a solid mission statement to guide you through all this. This looks amazing to me. Did, did it take you long to come up with it? Did you sort of like struggle with summing up everything you want to do with your running business down to that one line? I think that came pretty early on. It was like, that was the reason we started the company because we wanted to have great races in our area. Like we thought there's great, there's races that are small and, you know, charity events are great. And not all of them are the ones that you go to in a bigger city where you get the medal, you get the age group awards, you get, you know, chip timing, everything else. And it's, an, it's a big experience. So we wanted to bring that experience to our town. And that's why we wanted to start our racing company to provide that for the locals here and everywhere else too. 
So we're kind of like the opposite of rock and roll. That's the way I kind of describe it. Instead of focusing on like large cities, uh, we focus on smaller cities. So we are very calculative of our first city. Our first city, Orange, has a population of only 18,000 people. And we had no familiarity with like Orange, but we were like, if we can accomplish what we want to do in this city, then we can do it anywhere. And we were able to do it. And now, you know, I feel strongly like we could do it in any city. If it's like a population of like 10,000, I could do it. So when we now, when we talk to other cities, we are like, hey, we did this here. We, I, we could do it over here. And I, I, they believe us when we talk about it. Because I, not only that, I, I show them the actual numbers. I show them the data behind it. Because we're very data driven. And actually, I don't think we mentioned this. How many people were there on your first race, speaking of uh, first year successes? We had 336 signups and 300 actual live runners. We wanted more. We expected 1,000, 500, or 800. But, you know, still 350 to sign ups or 336 signups was really great, especially for the area that we were in. So we were happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. It was like a 5K, 10K in a, in a local town, as William was saying. And I think the other great thing about your kind of like strategy here, which it might be like really subtle, but I, I, I focused on this, is that you're saying bring big city race experiences. So you guys understand that the race is an experience, right? It's not only about the time and people running and have doing like PBs and stuff. You guys try to create an awesome experience that's going to bring that big city feeling to the local races in Texas you do. Yeah, because, you know, we we ran a ton of races. I think I don't, I don't, I've ran probably 30, 40 marathons myself, a bunch of ultra marathons. Willie, Mike, and I together ran over 600 races. So we know that the race is basically the celebration of your training. So you want to celebrate it with a, a great experience. And if you go to a race and you don't get a banana at the end of the race, or you don't get any, you know, anything like no water stops, then it's not a celebration. And we wanted to have that celebrating celebration experience for everybody when they, whenever, whenever they go to our races. When did you actually form the company? When did you start out? We were in planning stages uh, as like November, I think as early as November, but we didn't announce till like January. The reason we, we didn't announce is because we didn't get the LLC until January. And that's what we were waiting on because uh, we didn't know the process of getting an LLC, doing all that, the, the business end of everything. Uh, it took a lot longer than we expected. Okay. So everything sort of happened after the pandemic started slowing down a lot. Yeah. We saw that, you know, after the pandemic, we're like, and we talked to a lot of people at TRE as well. And everybody was saying that there's going to be a running boom because during the pandemic, so many people took up running. Uh, it was just one of the most popular things. Like I think people that weren't running before were going out for a jog because that was one of the only things they could do. They were running in the living rooms. They were running everywhere. So all these new runners, they, they need a race to run. And that's why we start. We're like, let's, this is the time to do it. If not now, when? And we should do it now. So that's when we decided to do it after the pandemic. And I think that it's it's showing that if we could get 236 people to sign up, or 336 people to sign up at our race, uh, it, it worked and it's working. Did the pandemic sort of give you any second thoughts, I guess? Because I guess, you know, you would have been thinking about this beforehand, you must have seen what the effect the pandemic had on the whole industry. I mean, it was it was pretty devastating. From a business point of view, from making a living out of this as well, did it did it sort of like give you any second thoughts whether it might be the good thing, whether another COVID variant may come around and you'd be up in the air? Yeah, I think everyone should like reach out to someone. 
don't just like go things like, hey, I have an idea. Let me just go do it. So uh, like I said, we went to Tiari. But even before that, the, I reached out to another race director. He's pretty well known. He organizes tra- trail racing over Texas. Uh, Rob, he's the race director. And I, I, I called him and I said, hey, I have this idea. Do you think this is a good idea? Because I had the same concerns like you were saying, like, hey, the pandemic is going to happen. But this guy is a smart guy. He actually exited his company and sold it for a decent price. And now he's like called the director of fun. So I was like, this is the guy I need to talk to to see, hey, if this is worthy of me to kind of get into. Because it's a scary thing. And he did the same thing. He was like in business and he decided to start a race directing company. And so I reached out to him. I kind of gave him the same, same kind of questions himself. And he's a very analytical mind. And he said like, yeah. There was an issue before, but he kind of see that it's going to be trending upwards. There's going to be a positive trend where people are going to start doing more races. I kind of see that. Uh, I see that, you know, people are frustrated with like, you know, everything with social distancing, wearing masks, and they just want to go out there and kind of live life like the way they want to do. And uh, it kind of showed with our race. And I think it's important to, yeah, like what you said, don't just go into anything without doing your research and just be aware of all like the risks that are involved. I think that's a big thing. Be be sure of the risks. Yeah, and Texas, I think I remember from the Woodland Marathon. It was one of those one of those areas that sort of like opened up quite early, actually. So yeah, you, you must have been in a better place than others. So I want to go a little bit now into the actual timeline of what you actually did working through the event, putting everything together, which must be an enormous learning curve for you guys, must have been like with every other race director. Looking at all that at a snapshot, how prepared would you say you were when you were starting out from one to 10, considering what ended up being ahead of you? I think that we were pretty prepared. Like we didn't, we didn't announce until February I think, right? February? Yeah, February. Beforehand, we were working our butts off to make sure everything was correct. But still, we there was a lot of learning experience on on doing what we did. Uh, but I would say probably a, a six or seven. I'm not going to say uh, too high because th- there were some mistakes. Uh, and it was all learning experience. This, this is all about putting on the best race that we could do because uh, this is our first race and we wanted to show the the runners, the the, the city that Three Bros Running Companies is legit. And so we we really didn't cut costs too much. We tried to cut costs, but we didn't cut costs too much. We tried to just go all out. So this was uh, an all-out effort for us. But I would say we probably had six or seven preparedness. How about you, Willie? Yeah, I, I would say that too. I think what people normally do when anything like this happens is they will use Google as a resource. And I realized, you know, that's it will help, but what really helped me and us kind of like move forward a lot quicker is like using race director hub. Another race director kind of told me, Hey, you should go check out this group. And I was like, wow. And instead of like using Google to say, Hey, this is what you get, the, where you get the medals. I would ask the other race directors. Cause like, they know, they know, Hey, where you get the medals, where you get the bibs and Hey, they've done with deal with every kind of situation possible. And that helped us move things a lot faster than, Hey, if I had to like kind of like figure things out myself. Yeah, it, it is it is actually really important. People would when people ask in Race Directors Hub, which is our Facebook group, I should say, by the way, for for every race director out there, when they would ask, you know, how do I get started? 
I think one of the first things people mention is also the importance of mentorship. Lots of people say, you know, like, you're not going to learn about this, like, you know, at university or in books or whatever. It's like, you know, go find a race director, work with them, volunteer on a race or something like that. You guys have obviously run lots of races before then. Was that something you also did, volunteering and going out and helping race directors on the ground so you pick up some of the knowledge that that way? Uh, we did a little bit of that, but I, I wouldn't say a lot. We volunteered every once in a while, but I'm not going to say we went to more than 10 races to volunteer, uh, which we should. I know volunteers are super important. I know that now. But I always kept a, a few race directors in my pocket. So I had th- three or four race directors that I could text or email and they would respond to me like that. So if I need, had any questions, I would just ask them or like Willie said, Directors Hub was always a great place to go to for information. Yeah, that's that's why that's one of the things like uh, we would have like little things that I would want the guys to do. So I would give them little tasks. Like I think one of the tasks was to, hey, let's like look up all the historical races that were previous done in Southeast Texas and let's get the numbers. Let's get the city, get the location. And another thing was like, I wanted everyone to reach out to a race director and just talk to them. And we all we would reach out to different race directors and then we would come back and then like talk about what we had learned. And this is like when we were in the pre-planning stages before we started our company. So mentorship is super important. You said you looked at actual statistics of races and people and you weren't dissuaded at all. I mean, I hear race directing is a pretty brutal business economics wise. Like you actually looked at the numbers and you thought that's a good business to be in. I'm going to tell you something because like not only did I look at the numbers, but someone else like said, hey, I have like because you can't n- not necessarily find all like the numbers on the Internet. So someone actually gave me like their records from like long time ago. He was like part of this running group and he gave us this, these pepper records of like as far back as 20 years. So we have I have printed results of all these races and I have printed results of, like of all these different cities. And the thing that surprised me was like this area. There were so many races that existed before, but then they stopped. And that kind of made me say, and in our area, let's say we're, we're focused right here in Southeast Texas, but it's a half a million people who, who live in this area. And then there was a lot of races before, but they stopped. And people now here, they will go to Houston. They will go everywhere else, but kind of do running here because there's no quality. There's no no races. And, and I, after I saw that, I was like, there's a potential, there's a market here if we create it. And then instead of maybe people going to Houston, people from Houston will want to come over here. Did you ever find the answer why all those races disappeared? Those races, I know they're like nonprofit. And if you're doing something for nonprofit, you're doing a lot of work for nothing in, in return. I think to be successful, to make a race keep consistently happen, you have to run it as a business and it has to be profitable because People do talk about like, you know, they think races are, hey, that's nice. You're doing something for a cause. There's nothing wrong with that, but it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. And I'm sure like all, all other race directors agree, you know, it has to be your weather, at worth your effort to be able to want to do this race. You could do it as a passion, but it takes a lot of time and it t- takes a lot of work. It's not just like, hey, boom, you just set up a race in two hours. That's it. It's months of planning. Oh yeah, it does take a lot of effort. So you with with your with your businessman hat on, you looked at the economics on your pre-planning stage as you say, and you thought, yeah, this this looks good. Let's go into this. Not necessarily. In my head it's just like to make this sustainable, we need a lot of races. We need a lot of races to kind of make it work. And I even talked to someone else like, you know, his 
or you have like one big race. You can have one big race. Like I think if you have like a half marathon, marathon, that's 5K, 10Ks, it's a good thing. But we can't go into like a half marathon. We can't go into half marathon out of the boat. We want to, I want to start small. We need a lot of races and we need to have like a high profile race, like a half marathon at least to really make this kind of like profitable. Yeah, I see Jeremy nodding along there. Do you guys have a strategy even now on how to scale this up? I don't Do we? I don't think so, really. Right now, we're just taking it one race at a time because we're building. Uh, we're trying to work with different cities. Right now, we're only in Orange. So we're having issues with trying with having other cities wanting to ha- have a race, our race, in their city. So it's easy to throw one race and have one race set up. And once you do that, then you can do it multiple years because we're, we have everything planned. Uh, but now we're trying to expand to other cities. Because people are like, why are you guys only in Orange? And that's the only city that wants to work with us right now. We're, work, we're talking with other cities. We're trying to establish our, 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 our first couple of races and then build on that. Yeah, I agree with what Jeremy said. When I, I was like, even doing this, like this first race, like, you know, I was like putting most of our effort there. I can't plan ahead, even though we have like a list of like races, ideas, races, race locations, but I didn't want to go to move too forward until our first race was a success. Because let's say our, our first race like bombed. I don't think there's a future for the company. <laughs> no one's going to trust us. No city's going to want to work with us. You know, it's not going to work out. But, you know, we were so successful. They asked us back. And uh, now we have not only like the uh, Save Orange, but other cities are approaching us. A university approached us. I have I'm in talks with someone else to for a possible race in Houston that we're kind of talk in talks with. Not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily fit our brand, but hey, as a consultant, you know, try to figure out other types of way to bring income. So not only having your own races, but also I think people, once you become an expert in this, consulting other people is an, another kind of element for us that I want to kind of like uh, go after. Yeah. Plus our YouTube channel is going to also bring in uh, a second income also. Once we reach the numbers that we need to, we can start doing reviews, making in- income that way, affiliate links, sponsored videos, and also YouTube vi- channel. Our, and, and if our YouTube takes off, we'll be making money through monetize. So that's the, the Three Bros Running channel, not your Goku Runner channel. Yeah, that would be the Three Bros Running Company. Listening to Jeremy and William share their story of planning their first race makes you wonder what camp of race directing you fall in. Are you the one-man army type looking to do a million things yourself or more of a delegating team personality? Well, whatever your style or approach, particularly if you're running a slim team that has to take care of a number of different things for the race, as most people do, you've got to have a solid technology partner by your side to leverage your time and your team's time and make the most of your resources. Well, RunSignUp is that reliable partner you need to make a success of your race. With RunSignUp, you can literally do everything under one roof, set up your registrations, manage your entire volunteer team, do all your email marketing, run your referral programs, coordinate your fundraising, and even take care of your financial reporting, which, believe me, is easier said than done when you also have complexities like sales tax to worry about. So do yourself and your team a favor if you haven't already and check out RunSignUp's market-leading technology solution for races and fundraising events at RunSignUp.com. That's RunSignUp.com. If you're just starting out, RunSignUp will give you all the tools and support you need to make your first race a success. And if you're further down the road in your race directing career, 
Run Signup will give you all the features you need to take your events to the next level. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. You guys are, you have done the most on YouTube than any race of your kind, your level of company that I know. So we'll get into more of that in a sec. It's quite evident through your videos and your branding that your connection with the city of Orange was really something pivotal, both to this race and perhaps to other strategies, because you're saying now that you're you're talking to other cities. And lots of race directors starting out may want to try and understand that a little bit better and emulate it. So what was your thinking behind choosing Orange, approaching Orange, and how did the whole thing go down with them? Our thinking was, it's a nice city. And it's kind of the city that we we, we kind of like, we kind of knew a little bit about it, but it had enough to bring people. We wanted to bring people to the city and it had a nice location where we would want to rent, where it has that historic district, historic downtown. I don't know if you saw the video of how it looks like, but we saw it. We liked how it looked like, and it's it, it fit like what we wanted to do with our race company. And then we decided we had to go talk to the city. I think that's the most important thing to see, hey, if they can see our vision. Because if the city doesn't see our vision, then it won't work. I think at first, the, the city of Orange is still very wary about us. Like, I'm sure we're just a new company. We're three guys very excited with a camera in their face. And we're telling them we want to throw a race. And they were they were, they were, were very welcoming. At the same time, some of the uppers were kind of like, what are these guys up to? Are they actually going to throw a race? And it's the city of Orange... Once we, we started working with them a little bit more, you know, building relationship, and that's what you have to do as a race director, build relationships with the cities that you work with. Uh, you know, they, they, they came along with us. And the city of Orange is great because it has so many things to do. It has a park in the middle of the place that is called Shangri-La Gardens, and it's a beautiful park. Uh, the, the route was actually one of the main, main draws for me to bring, bring our race over there because a lot of the towns over here there wasn't too much history and the city of orange has a lot of history. Uh, there's like pirates that used to live there. There's a, you know, a old naval base that was there beforehand. And it had so many old houses around, along the route that that's where I wanted to have a race. And I thought that that was going to draw people to our race as well. Just, you know, if you run a race in a park, it's not going to draw people like it, it. But if you run a race in the area that brings you along all the landmarks of a city, that's going to be, a race to remember and want you to come back. And that's why I think Orange was uh, one of our top cities to bring a race to. And what was your entry point into that, I guess, local authority organization? How did you first start the dialogue and and what was your pitch to them? So, you know, you say that they were a little bit weary of you approaching them at first. How did you woo them into becoming supporters of the idea? It's interesting you say that. We, what I did was I knew one of the city officials, they had like an ALS walk. So I decided I'm going to go there and help out at the ALS walk. And this is before we even talked to any city officials. So I went there, I attended her walk. I had helped volunteer and actually talked to one of, I think she's like an event coordinator for the city of Orange. And I had like a dialogue, actually kind of exchanged contact information. And uh, that was my in. So when I ended up talking to her, I would always reference, hey, I, I like, I did like how she did her ALS walk. She did it very professional. She did everything that I would want to do. Trying to make that relationship organically seemed to help me better than saying, just like emailing them. Cause like sometimes you email people and no one will respond, but hey, 
that's how serious I wanted to make this. Like that's why I went make that personal connection first, and that helped us. And did you sell it on sort of we're going to bring business to Orange that kind of thing? Basically, you know, it's it's going to be a couple of days where people spend more. We're going to put it back on the running map since so many races have basically closed around there. Yeah, we actually told them we're, we said we're going to bring 500 to a thousand people to the city of Orange. That that was our whole goal. We wanted to bring that many people, and uh, you know, we 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 brought 336, and a lot a lot only 30 people from Orange ran the race. So everybody else was outsiders, which is what a city wants. They want all the outsiders to come. So that was a a real positive for us. But we told them that we wanted to bring a big race, and we told them our whole plan: big big city racing to small towns around Texas. And yeah, they were they were up for it, and they were excited. They were a, a city that really wanted people to come and actually throw a race. Uh, I think at, at at for some parts, some parts, and then like I said, we we had some pushback towards the end. They thought that we couldn't pay, so uh, we we were like, we can pay. Tell us, give us an invoice, and we'll pay you. And we paid them. So uh, th- that was the only issue. I think that just because we were a new race, they weren't they were unsure about if we had money to actually you know, throw a race there. Yeah, we did. I did thought it was going to be a lot cheaper to hold it in the smaller city. I was like, oh, okay, it's not going to be expensive. I think they probably charge a little more. I don't know. That's why when they told us to, we had to pay this amount for like the police, we had to pay this amount for the barricades. I was like, give me an invoice of exactly what we're paying for all these barricades. Cause like, you know, I want to know what I'm paying. I think, well, how, do you remember how much of the barricades was for? 3,000 or 3,500 bucks for the barricades. Yeah, it was expensive. You remember something like, did you were you like scared if this thing was gonna work before you started? When I heard that number, I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what are we gonna do? That's a lot of money, and that's a lot of registrants that we have to get to break even." Yeah, to break even, I was like, "I'm gonna stick this through. I'm gonna. We're still gonna go for this. It's gonna give me something to kind of push for it because, like, you know, I I don't want to go in red in this race. That's that was my whole idea. I wanna I wanna go into green." And like what Jeremy said, we did like kind of have like our own little forecasting. I think I put like 300 to 600 when we had like a pitch deck. When I was like doing like buying medals, because you have to buy medals for a race. I think I was looking how to figure out how many medals to buy. And like one of the vendors that we we dealt with is like they wanted our, our purchase order about three months before the race. And I was like, how do I calculate this? So I was like looking at different ways. I didn't just like throw out numbers. So I was like looking at like, hey, the percentages of what money you... If you get a certain amount of registrants in three months period, this is the amount of registrants you should have at that at that race day. So I kind of overextended because I think we had like a kind of like a lot of people signed up for our first race for the first day because like, you know, recency bias because like they love us and then, you know, they would all sign up. So that kind of like skewed numbers. But we were we, we wanted to go for a big number. So how come you had $300 in your model for barriers and they ended up at 3000 I mean, that's a pretty big drift there. They just never told us a price until uh, pretty far into the race. Like, I, I think like now if we go to a race, that's the first thing we're going to ask for because that's the that's a big part of your budget. And that's one of the things that we learned. Like, we're not going to start a race in the city if it's too expensive for us. And police and barricades is going to be one of your top costs for a, a race and uh yeah, for sure. When we got that price, it was sticker shock. And that was a day we all looked at each other. And we were like, we like we were depressed afterwards. We were like, that that's a lot of money. And I, we, we didn't know if we could actually make money uh, if it was that going to be that much. So uh, that was a, a day that uh, really shocked us <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I don't know. If you see one of the videos, I, I kind of like 
put it in a positive spin because I was telling the guys, man, it doesn't matter. We're gonna make this work. But in in, in my heart, I was like, that's 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 a hard, that's a lot of money, and you know, I don't know if we could like m- make it that back. Yeah, I guess these are these are some of those items on the budget that if you've only run races before, it's easy to be caught out by these kinds of things, right? I mean, you don't you don't imagine that some of these things take so much money, which is why I find lots of runners complain all the time that, you know, like race directors are profiteering or whatever when people are just making ends meet because they don't actually understand how much money goes into producing an event. Did you guys have any other nasty surprises like that, like the barrier situation? I think that was a nasty surprise for sure. We knew the shirts were going to cost a lot and the the police didn't cost as much as we thought it was going to cost, but the barriers were just it was just another extra cost that, that shocked us. It, it was so surprising and uh, really depressing at that time. But we overcame it and we, we try to throw a positive spin. We're like, it doesn't matter how much they charge us. We're going to throw the best race possible. And uh, that's what we we always look to the positive for our race. And I think that's what made it success, successful. Yeah. Yeah. Like what Jeremy said, like we wanted to give them the best experience. So with everything like we want our, our designs for our medals to be good we want our medals to be good we want our shirts to be good so we were kind of expecting those costs but like the the sticker shock for the barricades and stuff especially for a small city that was just like very surprising yeah and actually you mentioned earlier that you decided to put on this event and just not basically cut corners or costs to the extent that it would actually jeopardize the race experience how did you think through because you have lots of options these days in terms of what you give away to people and what things to focus on more or less or where to cut back, where to be smart about things. How did you approach that exercise in terms of compromising between, you know, the things that you wouldn't absolutely compromise on and other things that, you know, perhaps you could be a little bit smarter on? What we compromised on is probably a little bit of the food. It, like we we thought that we would have more sponsors for food than we did, but we still had a we still had all, plenty of food for everybody. We actually had too much like fruits and stuff that we had to donate it to a, a shelter or a, I don't know who did you do, donate it to, Willie? I think it was like a Catholic food pantry. Yeah, but we didn't really cut too much cost. Uh, we we did look at shirts like you could get the soft style shirts or the more tech shirts, but those are going to be ten dollars a shirt. And we decided for our first runs, for our first you know or early on, we're just going to do the cotton shirts and it worked out everybody everybody was happy i don't think anybody complained about about anything that we we cut cost on and i mean we actually spent i don't know if we want to go into cost right now but we spent 40 dollars a runner for our race which is a lot when our race cost i think it was about 40 45 bucks for the 10k and 35 dollars for the 5k so i mean we spent a lot of money yeah so you just about broke even then Sounds like it. Yeah, just about broke even. Well, with, with the sponsors and everything, you make a little bit of money. But still, I think that's one of the more important things. You need to get sponsors. If you don't have sponsors, then uh, there's it's really it's really bad for the race director. Well, I'd, I'd put that down as a as a big success. You know, like first first year, generally people um, lose quite a bit of money. And of course, I just I never realized you guys also did like an Indiegogo fundraising crowdfunding type thing, which I've never seen for a race. I'm part of like the startup uh, atmosphere. So, you know, like you heard like people be, you could bootstrap your stuff yourself, you know, pay everything yourself. But in my opinion, you treat this as like a startup, as a business. So how startups kind of get funding is they go through angel investors. So I would say Indiegogo is more like angel investors, but it's as a different kind of spin. 
So angel investors are normally like your family, your friends, or someone like close to you. But I didn't want to go through the GoFundMe route where just like asking for money straight up. That's just, hey, give me money for, for my company. I realized, hey, if I give people some kind of like item attached to it, they'll be more willing to support us. It actually worked really well and kind of helped us kind of like get some initial funding for this company. Yeah, we saw how other businesses also like around here, there was a local brewery. They had, you know, GoFundMe or Indiegogo on, on their side. And we saw that they raised money. And, you know, a lot of the business costs to start up this business was a lot. And like, we didn't have a lot of money to start off with. And uh, we thought that Indiegogo would be a great place to start off. We actually tried to do, what was the first one we tried to do? Kickstarter. Kickstarter. We tried to do Kickstarter, but we got turned down for some reason. I don't know why they didn't want a sporting event, but uh, we saw other sporting events on that platform. So at the last second, we we switched to Indiegogo and we had to transfer all our video and edit, re-edit everything because everything was towards that. And uh, yeah, we went through Indiegogo and we're, I think that was a good route. It was a good plan to just have some funds to start off and not be worried about losing money right away. And how did, how did that work exactly? So you go on Indiegogo, you're saying, because I've, I've seen it as William says on like startup products and stuff, right? You know, you have a new shoe out and you say, you know, you fund me up front and I'll give you the first pair of shoes or something. But for an event, how, do, how, how did that work? So you're Indiegogo and you're saying, we want to put this event on in Orange and give us some money up front and you're getting what exactly? The Indiegogo is actually for three bros running companies. So it was for the three bros and st- the startup cost for three bros. What you got with that, you would get a t-shirt at a certain level and you would get a hat and a t-shirt and another level. And that's basically what it was for the, uh, just for three bros running company, the startup cost for our, our company. When I created it, it was like, you know, this is our vision. This is what we want. And then this is like our value to like the company. And if you want us to kind of like bring experiences like what we want to do to like cities across Texas, you will support us. And I had like, I think the initial first initial one was like, Hey, if you spend like, give us like five bucks, you put your name on the banner, which we carry everywhere. So our, their name is on our, our G, our three brothers running company banner, right? Like five bucks and then $10, you get a sticker. And then, so it would just kind of increase exponentially. So $10, you get like a, your name and a band and a sticker. Uh, 50 bucks you get your name sticker and a uh, shirt and then 100 dollars you get like a t-shirt and all the other stuff we even had crazy levels like we had like spend a day with three bros for like i i want to put something crazy like three thousand <laughs> we didn't quite get that but hey i wanted to put it out there in case someone wants to like give us three thousand and uh you know we we made pretty decent amount from that 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 give it gave us some startup costs that helped us Okay, so so no regrets. You think it was like an actual good use of time and everything to to go up there? Yeah, no regrets. It worked well. Yeah, for sure. It, it actually helped us because that actually went into the cost of the race as well. Because that, that's part of our that's part of the reasons that we didn't go into the red because we did have the Indiegogo funding, and that just showed that people believed in what we we're doing. Because we we showed we showed we showed the story of what we're trying to do here in Southeast Texas and beyond. And uh, if they believed in us, they could support us. And I use a lot of my, uh, I showed it on my YouTube channel and also, you know, on Facebook and we shared it everywhere. And a lot of people did support us and we're, can't thank everybody enough for supporting us. Yeah. Like what, like what Jeremy said, I remember that day. Cause like, it's, it's tough when you're asking like people to give you money, 
you know, it's it's tough. So I remember telling the guys, once we do this, all we need is just one person to believe in us. Just so that one person to believe in us. Like, I don't care if it's like just five bucks. Then I'm just going to go through with this race with whatever it costs. Because like I that person sees our vision and, and we had multiple people to see our vision and gave us like that motivation to keep doing what we're doing. I think I saw in another video of yours, one of Jeremy's, that you also received a grant or you're in the process of receiving a grant. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yeah, currently, right now, the, the City of Orange for our second race, we're having a race October 8th, is the Big Pumpkin Run. We actually went back to them and they, they asked us to come back to throw another race, the Big Pumpkin Run. And I told them, I was like, the cost of the police and barricades it's just not, it's too much. We can't throw another race here if that's what it's going to cost. And they told us we have a grant and the grant's going to, you apply for it. You tell them basically your, your, your pitch deck and your, your, your business plan and how many people you could bring into the city and you apply for a set amount of money and they can approve up to that amount. So we won't know actually until September 27th if we get that grant. So it's kind of a, gamble right now and hopefully they do because that that that's that's one of the biggest reasons why we're back in orange because of that grant and i think for any race directors you should definitely look at at the grants that cities provide because they do help and that's going to help us a lot if and and help us make money and help us to throw more races in orange if we could get that grant okay sounds like the economic side of things didn't go terribly badly for you guys and as i said you know first race anything other than a total disaster is a win Marketing is is where I think you really, really excelled. And what I'm trying to understand about your marketing, because and I, I strongly advise people to go check out your Three Bros Running YouTube channel, your social media, your um, website, and also your TikTok channel, which I think is, you know, you're, you're one of the few people up there doing stuff. And Jeremy was also saying you're doing paid stuff on TikTok. So you're really at the sharp end of all this marketing-wise. While I was actually going through all those videos, the question that I had in mind was, okay, you're obviously getting some some viewership out of that. People are enjoying them. It's doing stuff for you. But on the other hand, these videos take a lot of time to produce and do right and edit and upload and stuff. So on the balance of it, is doing video on YouTube and being really heavy on that, does it give you a good return on your time and the limited resources you guys have? That's a good question, but I think that because I love creating those videos, it's worth it for me. Like it's it's not it's not it's oh it is work for me, but it's almost uh, not work because I love creating those videos. And Willie's actually been creating more videos recently too because it is so much work. I was editing almost all my free time up until like two a.m. in the, in, in the morning just to create a video. But I think it's important because it tells the story and. If you tell a story of a a restaurant that you visit, they're going to share it. They're going to share it. And then those people are going to watch that video and know about your race. It's a smart marketing tool to use for any race director because you're just going to get shareable material for your race. And that's what you really want people to know about you, about your race, and about all the restaurants that you visit. And all those restaurants and, and businesses that you visit are potential sponsors. So at the end of the day, we're doing a lot of work, but... Uh, we're also getting we're also getting sponsors. We're getting you know free marketing p- from people sharing it. I think it's working for us. I think it's working for us. Yeah, like Jeremy said, uh, I think we're kind of going through the route of like influencer marketing because we want people because like we're we're the face of the company. 
Uh, so we want people to trust us. And I think when people see like, just let's say just a brand, like a logo, uh, they don't necessarily, they might trust them if they're well-established, but hey, if they see us, they say, hey, these guys are actually putting work. They're putting the effort. Man, we like these guys. We want to support them, that they'll they'll trust us and want to do our events. Like, we have like some person, uh, one of our main followers, he's done everything. Like he's bought our shirts. He's visited everything that we've done. And it's pretty amazing. Like, so we just need more of those people to keep doing that. But like Jeremy said, I knew Jeremy was doing a lot of content and I feel content is king. Cause like, especially for right now, I had to learn how to make YouTube. I did not know how to make YouTube content. I didn't do any video editing, but I learned it. So it could take some of the burden off his shoulder. So, you know, we could keep producing content because I think it's important. I mean, it's interesting because most of the YouTube channels you see that races operate, the content they put out is more around the race. You know, it would be a start line video or, you know, like a flyover of the race course or something like that, or a medal reveal or something like that. But you guys, you know, it's almost like what that race does in the, in the example you mentioned of a restaurant, it's like, you know, showing videos of the food. You guys show video of the kitchen. It's like you guys, you show lots of videos about you guys who put on the races, going out, you know, before you're meeting with the city of Orange, when you go through all of these negotiations with vendors, all of the, you know, the whole roller coaster, I guess you guys went through emotionally as well of the ups and downs of putting on the race. And you think that kind of thing resonates with people or with a certain segment of people? I think so. I think that uh, doing that is building our brand and it's building our story because Story is king. Like if you're watching somebody start from nothing, like what we did, and we're they're, if they're following our whole story from the beginning, like okay, they're 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 buying medals now. They're they're going to this restaurant and trying to you know promote their race. They're following us and becoming fans of our brand, fans of us, and that's going to lead them to want to support us as well. Because I I've, I've seen other YouTube channels as well, uh, and, and my own experience. Like I, I've grown my brand, the Goku Runner channel, and people follow me to races they they follow me if i if i suggest to buy something they'll you know they'll they're more than often not to trust me and buy that product and i've seen youtube channels create gyms and people are their gyms are now one of the biggest gyms in california so it's all about that story and if there wasn't that i don't think that what we are doing is going to be successful because it's all it's all part of the marketing scheme of building our race and building our brand that uh, people want to follow us and follow our story and really support us because of they see how much work we're, we're putting into it. I mean, in some ways, going back to an episode we did a while back with Meg Treat, who's a public relations expert, it sounds sort of like a mix between public relations and marketing. It's not like you're marketing in the sense that you're trying to sell something, but you are creating those relationships with the local communities, with the audience, with the people, like the personal relationship between you guys who put on the race and your audience, right? Yeah, we visited so many people in Orange. I joked with the with Willie and Mike. I was like, we could run for mayor because we've met everybody in Orange. Like we've met so I could name everybody in Orange by name because we shook hands and met people. And that's all. And that's what we want to do as a business. I think it's smart to be hands on and go out because, like Willie said before, an email can get left and forgotten. But if you actually go. And meet somebody, they have to shake their hand. They have to meet you. Jeremy said, like, I think networking is like building these relationships. Like, I want to show you this. This is like just a lot of like, these business cards. It's like we, we've had since like 
I've been like kind of trying to talk to people and talk to like sponsors and talk to so many different people. I, I think it's important, especially if you are like a race director to make these like certain connections because sometimes like not necessarily uh, once they kind of like see you're out there and they say, see like you're actually working hard. We're, we're working hard. We're, we're putting a lot of effort. So that's what they say. Hey, I want to work with these guys. And that's what we want people to know. Like, Hey, we're not going to just go, you know, give low effort. We're going to go give high effort into everything what we do. And we're going to try to promote their business. And this is a thing that I kind of say, I don't know. It's probably other race directors probably could hate that, but I want to do more than just put their name in the back of the t-shirt. I want to give our sponsors value. And that's how we're giving our value through, through our YouTube channel and, and things like that, that I don't think any other race is really doing. Yeah. Because a video actually would cost any, anybody else. If we did a video, like I, I do video work on the side, I charge a thousand dollars for a video easily and uh, we're doing these i mean we're what our sponsorship levels are are not even that much it's not even a, i mean there are a thousand dollars but a lot of people aren't doing that and that's that's uh you're getting you're actually getting more for your money if you get a video from us because a video production would cost a lot more that's what i'm saying did you know that in a recent survey, 73% of responders said that reading reviews influences which races they enter? Well, RaceCheck is the largest aggregator of race reviews in the world and has collected over 40,000 reviews for over 6,000 events globally. So, how can you collect more reviews for your event and make the most of them to increase your race registrations? Well, you can start by listening to our Power of Race Reviews podcast from September 20th last year plenty of tips there on growing your race reviews and then visit organizers.racecheck.com that's organizers with an s.racecheck.com to download your free race check review box so you can start showing all your race reviews on your website for an instant boost to your race's social proof and conversions it really is a no-brainer so go to organizers.racecheck.com that's organizers with an s.racecheck.com and download your free rate check review box today. Okay, let's get back to the episode. I think the great thing about the kinds of videos you guys shoot, which is you going around exposing people to the whole process of putting on the race, is they're much easier to put together than the highly polished videos you'd see, you know, you know, of a drone over a race course or something, or you know, something with music and stuff like that. Like in some sense, they're both more personal and easier to produce. Plus, which I guess is why you guys also trying that out, I think they should work quite well on TikTok as well. I mean, they almost look like more like TikTokish kind of videos. They're long form, but the style of them looks a little bit more like it's meant for something like TikTok rather than YouTube. Yeah. Any video you produce, whether it be on TikTok, YouTube, Reels, it, it all has to have a story. So there are those you know, videos that do well just because they're just TikTok craziness, but it's all about the story. And uh, we could, we try to, we try to post on all the platforms and if it's the long format, such as YouTube, we try to make it to a a much shorter, shorter consumer friendly format on TikTok as well. And it's really important to use everything because I did, I did try to, you know, buy ads on TikTok. And like I told you before, uh, the audience that I was reaching was eight-year-olds to like 14-year-olds, which isn't my target audience. But in the future, if they keep following our stories, to keep following our TikToks, they're going to be our consumers later on. So 
you got to build it right now. Even though you don't believe in TikTok, you better be on it because that's what people are watching. I, I've seen my 77-year-old dad scrolling on TikTok all day. So it's getting everywhere. It's it's one of the biggest platforms to use right now. Yeah, I want to mention that when Jeremy said that because uh, after the during the race of Shannon's run, where everything's done, I was like uh, handing out awards. A little boy came up to me. He's like, hey, can I get a picture with you? Because I watch your YouTube videos. And he was, he probably was like eight or nine. And I'm like, I'm, I don't see myself as that. I'm just like, I'm just a regular guy who sometimes posts stuff on YouTube. But he was like so amazed to be seeing me. And he wanted to he asked his mom to take a picture with me. And I was like, me? I, I, I don't know why. So it's already kind of working. It, it's just like, you know, it's surprising, like the people that will, will, will watch it and then are dedicated people. And, and they are following us. Well, that's the kind of celebrity you both of you wouldn't have gotten as medical doctors, right? So that's the upside. Now you walk around orange and everyone wants to shoot videos with you. So there you go. Good choice there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're those guys on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting, actually, what uh, Jeremy said. I think by the time this episode would have aired, there would have been a full episode that I recorded on TikTok with, with a TikTok marketing expert. And, and it is an amazing episode. If it has gone out before this, I think people should check it out. And what Jeremy mentioned, actually, this uh, guest of mine was saying on the episode that basically the fastest growing age segment on TikTok is over 55s in terms of, you know, who's on it. I mean, TikTok to us now may, and to me personally, I mean, I've, I'm not a user and I don't really understand it that much, but it may seem like 12 to 13 year olds with like a five second attention span or something, but lots of people are getting on it. And you guys did great as video producers to just republish some of your stuff on TikTok. I think it's going to be a great start for you. Yeah, it's it's one of the things we're, we're trying to get more into it because it is a space that we're unfamiliar with. We're more familiar with YouTube, but... Yeah, TikTok is going to be important. TikTok and Reels. It's weird. Sometimes you'll post something and you think it'll go well and you'll get nothing. And other times you'll post like the weirdest thing and they'll get a million views. So it, it, I still trying to you know learn all about TikTok and all this weird things that goes on with it. <laughs> it is quite fascinating, actually. So you mentioned doing some stuff, trying out TikTok paid marketing. Did you do any other kind of like paid marketing, Facebook, Google ads, any of that? Yeah, we did use Facebook ads and I, I and we're using it currently now. And before I thought it wasn't that useful for us, but I'm finding it, it really is working now. If you if you use the right ad, it works. Like we'll use we'll do fifty dollar ads for five days to so ten dollars a day. And some ads will do way better than others. So it's all about choosing the right ad and seeing if it works. If it works the first day, it's gonna keep working. So it's all about experimenting right now. So maybe you have some tips on what what Facebook has to, to post. I know you did a couple episodes on those too. <laughs> we did, but it's actually it's it's actually much more important to hear what you found from your experiments because because you know like we we spoke about all kinds of levers you can you can basically move here and there on on Facebook. So when you say that you know we did some stuff didn't work and now some stuff works. What was it that didn't work and what was it that ended up working? Our metal reveal one didn't do so well, but when we did use, we used a, a, a video, a, a picture of the mayor running our race and that ad, that ad went crazy. So I think I'm actually going to re redo that one. And because it's just, it's just an ad that more people resonate with. They see the mayor of orange running it. And it's also a, a different runner. He's, he's a larger guy like me and he's a person of color. So you see that 
person running a race. And that's what we want to show through our races that anybody can run a race is not only the fast people or not only, you know, every color in, in, in every race can run our race. So I think that that's the perfect ad for us because it is doing so well and it's showing what we want to show. I think also uh, when we were like, I remember in our first race when we were doing, cause I, I have like an analytics background. So I added, I added more fl- fl- pressure data. So I had attached Google analytics to our websites so I see like their locations, exact locations. And I was like telling Jeremy, uh, Orange actually didn't put us on their event schedule. And I didn't, I didn't know why, I guess, because we're new, new, new uh, event organizers. But I was, I was like looking, this is the amount of traffic we're getting from Houston. This is the amount of traffic we're getting from these cities. Why is Orange not there? So I told Jeremy, let's like when we do our paid marketing, let's like focus it on the Orange area. The, so we could get more people from there to kind of participate because like that's a whole market that I think they should be running a race. It's good to have people from outside, but I want people from inside to be doing it. And I think to be aware of where your traffic is coming from is very important. Like Jeremy said, hey, you know, like this is the age demographic, but you also need to know, hey, where they're coming from. Because if you get someone from, let's say, like Philippines and they're not going to even do a virtual race because we don't ship there. That's not that's not a good thing. So to kind of know who's watching your content is very important. And you guys, I mean, obviously between the two of you, between, you know, William being sort of like the the tech startup background person and you, Jeremy, with all the marketing stuff, you must have inevitably been drawn into the online world quite a lot for your marketing. But did you do any stuff in the real world, like physical stuff, pamphleting, posters, running shops, brochures, all of that, all of that old school stuff? Do you do that as well? Yeah, we we've been doing a, a bunch of the the pamphlets. So we have a six six by uh, five cards, and we also recently just got some yard signs. So we're trying to put it everywhere. I think the the more people see it, uh, it works because we we a lot of racers have told us that they saw our yard sign at like the hike and bike trail or you know like at, at a certain trail, and that's why they know about the race. So you got to really reach out to everybody because a lot of people aren't on social media you know a lot of people really hate social media so they're completely off it and those are the people we're trying to reach too so if they don't if they don't see it they're not going to run our race (laughs) yeah and and another thing when you mentioned that i feel like also trying to get like news media is important Uh, i've been trying to like contact every newspaper say hey you should feature us whatever way possible i think it was easier for our other race because like we had shannon uh, story behind it, but it's been a little bit more difficult to kind of like get people to kind of like publish stories about us. I think I have someone lined up just like I think on Wednesday, but I, I just getting your name out there, newspaper, TV, like whatever. The way I treat it is like you know how movie stars like promote their movie. That's what we have to do. We have to push our our race as much as that. So to get any publicity is good publicity. Podcasts, whatever. Try to get on it, you know, be out there. I, I think if you look at our threebrosrunning.com website, you'll see like when in our, I think it's announcements, you see all the things that we've done to kind of like promote our brand, but also our races. And I think your story is intrinsically very newsworthy, right? I mean, three brothers going into running with your background, medical doctors, MBAs, whatever, you know, following their passion, bringing races to local communities. I mean, as a local reporter, it, it makes total sense for you to go after that kind of thing. And, and it's and it's perfectly right. Lots of people don't think about that kind of stuff. They think that either they have nothing newsworthy to share or that reporters will not be interested or, you know, like they're, they're hard to reach or something. But 
generally local reporters, and that's another thing we mentioned in that PR episode with Meg, they're dying for a good story. I mean, they'll, they'll bite your hand off for a good story. That's their job, right? Yeah. We, we have to show them our worth for the story. So I think for our next race, we, we got to really, uh, we, I mean, we're basically being a race director is you're being a marketeer. You're trying to market yourself, market your race. So we're marketing ourselves to the, the, the race, the, um, the newspaper right now and the news reporter. So we're trying to get more, more coverage for our race as much as possible through our story. And I think, like you said, our story, I think, I believe our story is good and it's something that somebody will follow and hopefully, you know, the news reporter will see that. Yeah. We, we did a live with the mayor. I was like, we've been kind of, I've been trying to contact the mayor and finally he's like, Hey, we could do a live on Friday. I was like, okay, great. We'll meet you anytime you're ready. And we did the live with the mayor just to kind of like promote the race. And I think that's, that's important. Promote the race any way possible. That's what, what the job I think of all race directors should be. You want the most signups possible. And that should be the goal. Get the most signups possible. And on your sponsorship efforts, how well did you do with that? Uh, I think we did pretty good. We How many sponsors do we have for, oh, for Shannon's run? We get, we had a, a good amount. It took a while. I think that once you start getting two or three or four sponsors, it, it, they start falling one out the other. What we did, I and I told the, the whole group, the whole team, to every day to message, you know, two or three businesses and see if they're going to you know reply back and that's what i did with the my youtube channel whenever i try to get products to review i will contact companies and a lot of times they'll say no but every once in a while they'll say yes so you don't need everybody to say yes you just need a few to say to to say yes and we got i think eight or nine sponsors which we're pretty happy we were pretty happy with yeah initially i had like a sponsorship tier list you know, you have like, hey, you, this is your presenting sponsor. And here's like, this is like your venture booth sponsor. And we weren't getting anything. And I was like, man. So I met up with this like big time event director in Houston. And she told me that will work in Houston, but know your market. So we, we cut everything in half. And she's like, as soon as you get one sponsor, they start rolling in. But you need to get that one sponsor. In. And I, like, like Jeremy said, then we started getting sponsors. And I was okay with that. Eventually, I'm going to put that sponsorship tier like the way I want it to be. But right now, I'm okay with the, with the prices that we're offering our sponsors. Who was that first sponsor? First response, Urgent Care. They're like a urgent care clinic. Yeah. Did you have a strategy? So basically, when you were thinking, let's put a task that we reach out to a couple of people a day, what was your shortlist? How did you come up with that shortlist of, of which sponsors to reach out to? Really, there was no shortlist. It was anybody and everybody. <laughs> out there uh, we actually also looked at other races like if other races had had sponsors like locally we would reach out to those same sponsors and try to get them and also uh, the businesses that we we visited we would we would contact them as well and it was hard for the first race especially because you know nobody knows about you nobody knows about your race nobody knows how people we can't even we couldn't even tell them we have 400 signups or 336 but now we can but for that first race is all about trying to prove ourselves and tell them what we can do. And uh, I think that's where the, the video portion came, came uh, was important because whenever we visited a sponsor, I would bring my camera and the camera gets you to a lot of places. Like I will go to anywhere and people will ask you about the camera and you'll get to talk to the owner of the business right away because they're, they're curious. And it's, it's that curiosity that will get you in front of them. And uh, yeah, we reached out to as many people as we could through emails and also in person. 
Yeah. Like what Jeremy said, uh, I, I, another thing that we kind of like integrated was like a media kit pitch deck. We didn't really have any concrete numbers, but we did have like, you know, projections or forecasting. But not only that, we would kind of like also show like, hey, this is how great our Facebook uh, analytics is. So we have like a lot, a certain amount of followers. We have a, like a lot of engagement, you know. So there is something kind of reason why you should be supporting us because like other places, I don't think they're going to have that kind of engagement, like people concerned about them. Was it mostly um, local businesses, basically, who who looked at the run and they thought, you know, it's a good opportunity to engage with people in the extended sort of like Orange County area? Yeah, basically, it was people just wanting to a lot. Of people, some people were wanting to just support us. So we, we did reach out to family and friends that had businesses and then people that wanted to you know help with Shannon's story is uh, there was that 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 portion. And then also businesses that wanted to show up to put out their name to the community and our runners because uh, we did tell them that we were having a lot of engagement on our Facebook page. I think at the time it was uh, 40,000 uh, engagement every 28 days. So uh, we, we show those numbers to the, the sponsors and that was the value that we could provide to them that we were going to actually get their name out there. And yeah, now it's better because like now that we have actually concrete numbers, I kind of show them, hey, this is how successful we were with our previous race. And, you know, I think I showed you that pitch deck before, but it's like, hey, now there's no re- reason you shouldn't sponsor us because like we have like the the numbers to back it up. Well, last thing I want to touch on uh, a little bit, I think the important things, to be honest, for people just starting out are really the money, the marketing and the sponsors, to be honest. So I think, you know, most of the most interesting stuff that gets people put off putting on races is sort of behind us. But if we want to just also share with newcomers a couple of stuff about how you approach the actual operations of the race and the planning of the race. William is an MBA. You may be familiar with spreadsheets and stuff, I guess. How did you do the whole planning? Because, you know, like there's checklists upon checklists of tasks and stuff involved. And it sounds like you you run the whole operation with military precision. How did you approach all of that stuff? The tasks, having everything, deadlines, delegation between the three of you, all of that. What, what Did you run on any kind of like platform? We would have like weekly meetings. And so we had weekly meetings. So I would have things that we need to get done. So let's say you had to hit, you had to talk to these amount of sponsors or you had to make what kind of content that's going to be coming out this week. And then like, let's say we have to kind of like finalize our sponsors because like we're going to be printing our shirts uh, this week. So that's like a high priority item. And then stuff, like, let's say like something that's like low, it would be not so important. We'll just address it. Like maybe it could be like the last month or something like that. But I think one thing good is to have, at least for us, how it worked is having weekly meetings and not only have like meetings to talk about things, but have we- meetings where we have actionable items that we would do. So when I say actionable item is like, don't just like talk about things that you're going to do. I want to see you guys actually do the things that we've talked about. And then the next meeting, you know, we just keep keep on moving forward like that. But I think always kind of keeping a certain schedule is important. But now I have my own checklist. I don't think it will work for everyone because I think everyone's kind of personal, like what they need to do. So I just kind of like copy that same spreadsheet that we had before, p- apply it to this race. And it's like, okay, here's the things that we have to do. Insurance, permitting, uh, you know, venue. Now it's just like, okay, is it done? Completed. Is it in progress? Started, you know? Things like that. Uh, so I could kind of keep track of that. But it was all on a... Sp- yeah, all on a spreadsheet for me. Right. Okay. No Asana or Basecamp or any of that stuff. No, I I, I think I could probably, probably could like spend money on that, but 
right now it's working for us. And now it's just like two of us. So it's just like, we just kind of like keep each other in check. Your Jeremy's like, Hey, did you do this? So I was like, yeah, I, I put I started on the spreadsheet, you know? And tell me also um, a little bit about your relationship with your race timer. Did you have a race timer? Mm-hmm. We have a race timer is uh run Houston. I think <laughs> pretty laid back. We talked to them, told them when our race day it is, and they said they'll be there. So basically, it's they're doing their own thing, we do our own thing, and we trust that they'll do. <laughs> well, we trust that they'll come to our race and do what they're supposed to do. So, pretty hands off for our race timer right now. I, I don't think they contact us too much. Okay, because generally race timers, we should say for other people's li- other people listening in, other than your initial mentor and other people who can support you, other race directors, etc. Race timers generally are supposed to be sort of your right hand, at least in operations. I mean, they, they can pick up as much load as you want them to. Probably in your case, you had it all figured out. But generally, if you're newer to this and you feel like you're overwhelmed, you can definitely pass things off to to the race director who's who's helping you. Now, wrapping up, what do you guys think, looking back, that you wish you'd know before you were starting out, that you sort of learned the hard way since? I just wish that we found out the cost of police and barricades before we started out the location. That that that's the only thing. Everything else, I enjoyed the experience of throwing a race, and I think you know this is what we're trying to do, and it's a good thing that we have the passion to do it. And I also want to tell people that even though we have very little experience right now, anybody that that has any experience in doing anything, you can learn from. Like I, I know I had some pushback. That people said that I shouldn't be giving out advice because we only have one or two races. But through our experience, we have value in trying to, we might, we might not do everything right. And that's part of the learning process. And through our YouTube channel, what we're sharing, you can learn from that as well. So what we're doing, we may make mistakes, but at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to uh, do the same thing that everybody else is trying to do and have a successful race. Yeah. Like Jeremy said, I think. One of the things I learned in this process is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't try to like figure things out yourself when there's someone else there who already has been through the whole everything and then they can help you ease through it better, which is why I love Race Director Hub, which is like, like as a resource for, you know, hey, if I need to know where to get the best bibs, I will go to them. Hey, if I need to know where to get the medals, I'll go there instead of just like depending on Google which I think a lot of people do because like they don't want to talk to anyone. Talk to anyone and everyone. They're they're your best resource. Like I have a personal race director. She helps me out so much and we could kind of like bounce things off. Don't be alone in this process. Reach out to your community. Your community will help you grow and doing that will make you a better race director. Yeah, and I agree with Jeremy actually. I don't think it's it's ever too soon to start sharing that knowledge back with people. You guys sound like you're already learning quite a lot. And in terms of the piece of that puzzle, which is how do I put on my first race? I would say probably your advice is much more valid than a lot of other people who've been putting on races for 40 years because they don't know the challenges of that if, that if you know, like a first time race director has to go through. So, you know, we have a mentorship program in Race Directors Hub, the Facebook group as well. So maybe you can, when you get a little bit of time, you can sign up as mentors now and start sharing some of that back with people. Never too soon for that. What's the plans for the future for Three Bros? The next thing right now, we're going to do some kind of like either a consultation, restricting uh, for another thing that we don't really have to like bootstrap and pay for everything. That's kind of like, you know, 
something I would want to go to, but I want to do a half marathon. That's like my next goal. I want to do a half marathon. And when is it going to happen? Could be sooner than later. Yep. More and more and more races and eventually the half marathon as our top goal. I think 5K, 10K is, is, is good, but there's so little leeway between the the cost of per runner and how much money you're making. But when you go into the half marathon, marathon, uh, that's where your company can really rise and, and, and excel. So that's our goal, a half marathon. So you're in it for the long run. Yep. Yeah. Bringing big city racing to cities all across Texas. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I look forward to seeing that. And I think it's a, it was a great start with Orange. I, I, I wish you all the all the success in the world. If people want to reach out, where can they find you, both personally and in terms of Three Bros, your channel, some of the stuff we spoke about? Yeah, everything is at, at Three Bros Running and threebrosrunning.com. And, you know, I think Jeremy has a LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn. Or you can follow us on, like, our Facebook, all our, all our socials. And also Goku Runner on YouTube. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Goku Runner. Guys, thank you both very, very much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been really fun putting my shoes and, and our listeners' shoes into that first race again and all the stuff you guys had to go through. So thank you very much for taking part. Thank you, Panos. Thank you, Panos. This is fun. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. And we'll see you guys on our next podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode on starting out in race directing with Three Bros Running's Jeremy and William Fermo. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your thoughts about starting out in race directing or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. Many thanks again to our awesome podcast sponsors, Run Sign Up and Race Check for sponsoring today's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite player and check out our podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races.